welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories. This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. In her role as a stylist, Anna's ultimate goal is to teach her clients how to find and refine their own style to reveal, and I love this, to reveal their favourite version of themselves. She's passionate about enabling clients to shed anxieties about the way they dress and embark on new beginnings. I've had the great fortune of working with Anna for the last few years, and I can tell you that her approach is warm, relaxed, and inclusive. She has a way of understanding what is going on in the world of the people that she works with and leaves them feeling lighter and more connected to who they are, because when it comes down to it, what we wear is a big part of our identity. In this conversation, we talk about the role that clothing has in confidence. We explore the world of sustainable fashion and why being more conscious about what you have and what you need is the key to feeling great. Anna's work is heartfelt and impactful and will leave you looking at your wardrobe very differently. So enjoy this conversation with the beautiful Anna Maben. Anna, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me, Ali. You look very stylish today. Thank you. I did prep to a while. Which is so important on an audio (laughs) medium. (laughs) It is. But can never drop the ball. As a stylist, I have to ask the obvious question to kickstart our conversation. Is there ever a time that Crocs and Socks are okay? (laughs) (laughs) Ever. You're talking to a country girl who on Christmas holidays loves nothing more but to go home, put on, (laughs) dare I say it, no, not Crocs and Socks, but like a Havies and a daggy shirt and, you know, walk around the house with family and just enjoy their company. So Crocs and Socks... I'd probably say never, just because I have to, to, for the sake of my brand, say that. But (laughs) look, that's the beauty of style. You can um, interpret Crocs however you (laughs) want to, Um, and if if that's if that's what you want to what we want to wear to um, portray your individuality, then who am I to stop you? Very diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true that style is very much an individual statement. It's very much around our identity. Now, you weren't always working in this field. No. As I understand. So why, what was it about fashion and style that, that drew you to this kind of work? Um, I think I, I think some people will say that you are born with, you know, um, the flair for fashion, and I would agree, but um, I think it was just not knowing what I wanted to do after school and just, you know, um, I studied events management and I had the cliche jobs like a wedding coordinator um, before I went overseas and travelled. And it wasn't until I came back and I would say I hit rock bottom, (laughs) which it wasn't at all, but um, I went back to my hometown in Emerald and worked for my dad in a crane, cranes and transport company. So I remember my first day um, and a man calling, I'm pretty sure his name was like Romper, like something really 
like a bogan nickname, um, asking for a dolly and a trailer. And I was on the phone thinking, oh my God, like I have no idea what you've you just asked for. And I said, um, you're going to have to like word this out because my dollies are a lot different to your dollies. <laughs> and I remember dad thinking, like looking at me thinking, what have I done? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is not the job. Yeah. So I think I've always been a girly girl. Um, and once I worked in that field for three years, I came back to Brisbane and was sitting at my laptop and yeah, just Googled, like just thought, what would I do if I could do anything? And I um, always loved Trini and Susanna from London. They were personal stylists and they had their own TV show. I don't know if you Yes, yeah, I remember them, yes. Yeah, so um, I I Googled fashion styling uh, and came across a course down in Melbourne that focuses on human behaviour and that's what I really enjoyed. Um, I love helping people. So it was just a match of... Um, my passion of shopping, I've always loved shopping. And when I lived in Emerald, I would come to Brisbane just to shop and um, blending that with helping people solve their problems, um, that it worked really well. Yeah. The decision to do that, this is one thing to Google and, and find the course. Yeah. Was it a decision just to jump into the deep end? Did you keep your other job for a little while and make that transition? How did that transition work? Yeah, um, I th- well, it, it was over 18 months I studied uh, and it was all online. So I studied while I held a full-time job um, in government working for the Premier. And um, so, yeah, it was seven days a week of working five days there and then two days um, shopping and building a business. Um, yeah, and then after 18 months, I remember sitting at my desk and thinking... Like I think it's I just need to make a clean break to be able to do this, um, you know, full time. And um, I had a chat to my auntie at the time, and she sort of like explaining, you know, should I quit cold turkey and just trust that this is because it's a to big be, decision. Yeah. And, and I'm even thinking that there can be people listening who there's something else on their radar, and it is a big call to go. This security that allows you to study, allows yeah. you to kind of dabble, allows you to put your your feet in the water, so to speak, to see yeah. whether this is actually something I want to do as a job or do I just like shopping and I'll just keep doing that yeah. on my own on the weekend. So how did that conversation go with your auntie? Well, she said, um, I think it, this is all I needed to hear to be like, okay, I'm just going to do it. She said, we're not going to let you starve, doll. I was like, oh. And... Yeah, I'm getting teary just thinking about it because, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like it was all I needed to, um, yeah, to take the plunge. The power of someone to go, it's going to be okay. Yeah. That, that kind of base care, that base level of, yeah. we've and got it's, this. It's not that I would have ever um, like took advantage of that. It was just knowing that you had that, yeah, support. Yeah, it's so powerful. I think the support that that other people provide in those, and it's really scary. Like it's a really pivotal moment to walk away from, you know, and we talk about government jobs being the most secure jobs and they're not anymore. They're not other spaces. Funnily enough, like I was fighting for my contract every, I think it was six months. So there was definitely a level of insecurity, which you would probably um, could even say that that was a nice, entry into running your own business 
having to turn up, say, this is what I'm worth, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm contributing. And knowing that maybe um, your job might not be, yeah, there next week. Yes. The words that we share, and I think when I think of your auntie and that that story, to me it's that reminder of someone to actually have our back. It's the person to go, go for it. Like yeah. we'll, we'll make it work and support it. And that, how important that is for all of us to do that, whether it's friends, family, yeah. someone who might be in doubt. Just yeah. a word, a sentence can be enough to actually make that change. Yeah. So you've gone out on your own. You, um, Your first client in that space, what was that like? Funnily enough, my first paid client was my boyfriend's brother's wife, <laughs> which we weren't together at the time. Um, this is like four years ago that um, was when I was doing my first client, but it was just consuming. Like I just consumed my entire life into finding clothes for this, yeah, for this client. And it was the be all and end all. Like if it didn't go well, I'd go home, figure out how to, you know, show up again and make it even better. It did, it did go well. <laughs> we found clothes. Yeah. So obviously it was uh, that the ownership of actually going, how do I make this work? How yeah, do we and find fake it till you make it. Like I was still studying at the time, um, so I was very new as a stylist, but I just constantly believed that if I was meant to do this, I was, yeah, I would just show up and learn from my mistakes and keep going, Yeah. We often associate stylists with celebrities. So they're the ones that um, you know are often thanked on the red carpet for getting me this outfit or getting me this, this dress or this attire. And yet stylists aren't just for celebrities. So why, how do people come to connect with you? What might be some of the reasons why someone might reach out to, to work with you? They're generally really practical reasons. Like I look in the wardrobe now and I don't see any clothes that I... Um, that I feel like when I put on on myself, um, that can be a change in lifestyle, like having kids um, and their body shapes may have changed. Um, I do a lot of work with regional clients who um, are in areas of Australia that don't necessarily have um, a wide range of clothes to shop you know, stores to shop at. So they're in a totally different space because what they're seeing in shops um, they don't feel like is them. So they're starting to believe that there are no clothes out there for them and for their shape. So, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of clients who are just in a style rut and need to be need someone to just shake them out of it and tell them it's okay. I can imagine some of those regional centres. If it's not in Cayman or Just Jeans, then yeah, <laughs> don't have a hope to find exist. anything. Yeah, and online it can be such a um, minefield trying to order things online and rely on looking at the model to see how it will fit, and then having it arrive after not express post. Like it sometimes takes seven days to reach a regional town. Um, only for it to not work. So it can be a real, um, it can real be, yeah, you can get really down on yourself with things like that happening too. 
I imagine so much of what you do is very individualised. It's about actually looking at someone, uh, their need, about why they've got in touch with you, but also their life, what they're looking for, and trying to really understand their world. How do you do that? So from the moment that they might send you an email or give you a call and say, hey, not really sure, but, you know, you might have been recommended or I just wanted to reach out, What's what do you do? What's that, that experience like for them? Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, I just, I, and I've always done this. Um, the initial inquiry is done through my website as a form. That's how I get it. But I, um, most of the time it would be 90% pick up the phone and give them a call because I think that's the most relatable way. They're trusting you. Well, if you actually do, you know, um, get to work with this client, they are trusting you to come into, into their home and look at their most personal, you know, items. So um, I think having that connection of picking up the phone and saying, hi, I'm Anna, you can, you know, like it just builds a level of rapport immediately and I think that's really important at the start, yeah. And then how do you go from the conversation into being in their wardrobe? As you say, it's really personal and yeah. what we wear is very much our identity and I think even that thought of having someone, it almost feels like they're going to come in and judge and that outfit that I've had in the cupboard that I have never worn, it's still got its tags on it, but one day I'm going to wear it. Yeah, Someone's actually going to dust that off and pull that out. That can feel quite confronting. So yeah. how do you get from that phone call to, to standing in someone's wardrobe? I've never really thought of it like that. I think it's just my personality that just a really, it's um, everything needs to be lighthearted. Yeah, and and, um, yeah, like I have to have a certain level of empathy, which I do just naturally from, um, you know, just because I'm a stylist doesn't mean I haven't felt um, the same insecurities by my own wardrobe. So it's about being relatable and showing up to serve them and help them get, through a really rough patch in the wardrobe, yeah. Obviously, I've had this experience and, and have spent time with you, had you welcomed you into my wardrobe and you've unpacked not quite the Crocs and socks <laughs> but a few other things that probably needed to be dusted off. And yeah. it is it is kind of scary. You kind of have this anxiety at start to go. Um, and it's probably scary around judgment and but also you've got someone looking at your identity and almost asking you, well, who do you want to be and what do you want your clothes to represent and what does that actually look like? And in our world, we often don't have a space to ask those questions. Mm. Who am I and what does that what does that represent? Having come through that and being on the outside of that, you also provide a really beautiful space to actually uncover that that's really, uh, you know, empathetic but also really understanding and and really uh, a way to get into that person's world and into someone's life around, well, yeah, is this for going to pick up the kids from school? Is this kind of a work outfit but it might be kind of a casual work outfit versus a more formal kind of work outfit and that you can mix it up and change it. Yeah. When you're going in and um, I guess taking someone on a shopping experience, if you've been through their wardrobe, what is it that you're looking out for when you've got that person in mind? It's a mix. So their body shape um, and not necessarily playing into their insecurities, but we all do have... um, 
I'll label them insecurities for now, for lack of a better word. But um, for example, say if I had a client with a scar that they didn't want to be um, on display, um, I'd I almost take that on myself and roam the shops and research online um, to pick, to hand select items that I think will work with their lifestyle but also have them feeling really confident. Yeah. Is there ever a space, and I guess some sometimes the fear is there's nothing out there for me. It's for everyone else or it's for the clothes that fit the mannequin or fit a certain shape. Uh, there's nothing for me. Is that true? No. But uh, just when you put something on and you know it's you, that is just priceless. So um, it takes time and effort to explore who you are and it's not often found if you just go into a mainstream store and, you know, um, hope that you, you know, just pick something and without really thinking about it. Um, building a wardrobe takes time, Yeah. And it's worth the investment over that period of time. What's the connection between clothes and someone's identity, who someone is? Because often it can be that kind of second skin and starting to actually look at that allows someone to look at that kind of sense of identity. What what do you see as the connection between clothes, what you wear and how you feel wearing them? It's everything. Clothes are like your armor. It doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter um, what level of fashionista you are, like we all have to wear clothes. So yeah, clothes just tell you so much about a person. And as a stylist, you can, you know, I, I never judge anyone on what they're wearing, but I am really curious. And often if you actually just look at someone for what they're wearing, you can, yeah, you can see things that some people may not see. Yeah. And there might be something else that they could put into place. Yeah. The power, just before we jumped on Mike, you you talked a little bit about and you shared a story, which I'd love you to share again, around the value of having a wardrobe that when you walk into it, everything is, you know how it works, you know that it fits, you like it, (laughs) that it actually pulls together. What impact can that have on someone having a wardrobe that just works? It's so good and that's the, you know, to answer your question before, like what do I really get enjoyment out of? It is actually those moments when a client has contacted me to just send me selfies of outfits that we've created and them looking really good. But the power of it is, um, the power of a good wardrobe is knowing that you've got something so, or to give you the example that before we jumped on the mic was I had a client who after we shopped, uh, so we went into her wardrobe and then we did a shopping session. So we had got rid of anything that wasn't working for her new shape. Um, and she, I think it was a couple of weeks after we'd shopped, um, her father-in-law had passed away and she had to go interstate. And instead of rushing out when she was in Melbourne to find an outfit to wear to the funeral, she had sent me a message to say like how nice it was that she just had to wear the dress that we bought because she felt really good in it. Um, Yeah, and she was totally present for her family during the hard time of losing a loved one. Yeah, so... I thought that was really powerful when she sent that. And I didn't actually think that was, 
that story actually made me um, realise what I was doing was really good. Yeah, it's just given me massive goosebumps because I think it's the power of that moment of being able to jump into your wardrobe and go, I feel good in all of this and so therefore I don't have to have on top of what is a hard and stressful and and one of those moments that you never wish on anyone to to be able to be really present because I feel good in what I've got and I'm not doubting myself or judging myself. Yeah. I can just be here. And I think another part of that story was she wasn't with her family, she was with her in-laws, so... um, and she didn't particularly get along with them as well. So she said it was really nice just to know that what she was wearing was her and she didn't give a fuck if they didn't like her because she was she just knew herself. Yeah. Yeah. How do you give that as a gift? That's really powerful <laughs> what you do, yeah. And that, to be reminded of that, you can always... I can see that in your faces. We're talking. Be reminded of that in the work that you do. This is worth looking at. Mm. So if anyone is thinking about their wardrobe or looking at it, then then take the time to actually get real. Who are you? What do you want to wear? What, yeah. what, what makes you feel really good? And it's okay to change as a person as well. Like um, I know that... Well, you're not the same person. You know, you can't change your wardrobe every week. That's just ridiculous. But you <laughs> come on, um, Anna. We'd love to. <laughs> you can mix it up. Um, but yeah, you're not the same person as you were like six weeks ago. Even you change every day. So of course, your wardrobe is going to change with life. Yeah, and keeping on top of that is really important to be able to um, be your best self. If it's not every week, how often do you think you would do that? <sighs> um. Really good question. I have some clients that shop with me every six months and some clients that shop with me every 12 months um, and some that it's a constant check-in. So I don't think there's any real um, right or wrong answer with that. But I know um, the biggest thing that you can do is just constantly keep on... um, keep in check what you've got in your wardrobe. So shop your own wardrobe. If you've got an event, um, you know, sometimes we just, before we even think, we all, we all just think there's nothing to wear in that wardrobe. Um, but if you allow yourself some time, regardless of how busy you are, you might be surprised at what you can pull together. Um, and it's a creative outlet too. When mm. you say shop your own wardrobe, what do you um, mean? So allow yourself some time in your wardrobe to... Um, Look at what you've got ahead. So, you know, say if you have a wedding to go to, um, ask yourself the obvious questions like where is it held? Um, is it going to be cold? Is it going to be hot? Do I have even shoes that would, you know, that I might be able to use? Um, and that way, if you, do, if you don't have anything when you are shopping your own wardrobe for this particular event, you generally do find that you have like a clutch or a favourite pair of earrings that you want to wear or, yeah, shoes. And that way when you are going shopping for the rest of the outfit, you're not as anxious thinking going into a shopping centre or a boutique being like, oh, my God, I need to find the entire outfit and I need to do it in an hour because that's all I've got without kids. Yeah. And you've got got a starting point. So yeah, you've got a starting point. Something to yeah. match the shoes or to match yeah. the earrings that I've got. And then you're approaching it from, um, yeah, a playful side instead of um, a panicked side. Yeah. Playful's always way, much Playful's better when it comes Playful's to <laughs> shopping. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about sustainable fashion because it is a topic, uh, it's a, you know, it's even a, a word that's used pretty commonly at the moment and, mm. I, and importantly so, but I also think it's there's probably not a huge amount of clarity around what does that actually mean when we talk about sustainable fashion. So is it through the entire life cycle of where that piece of of clothing has come from and then who has been then paid appropriately along the way where the actual fabric has come from? Yeah. Is it about how it's then sold? How would you summarise or what does it mean to you when you think of sustainable fashion? Well, I think it varies from client to client um, and you can have your own you can have your own opinion um, or um, approach to it. So some clients that I shop with might um, just be interested in um, the labor and where their clothes came from and how much people were paid for that item of clothing to be made. Um, it could be um, that they're they might be vegan and they might not want any animal products, animal testing, you know, um, to have occurred when those pieces that they're adding into their wardrobe come from, I guess. So yeah. uh, I think it varies from person to person, but I've just always been level-headed about it. Sustainability is, you know, you only, it's just getting the longevity out of things and only buying what you really need. Um, I had a family friend actually last time I was in um, my hometown asked me if I ever felt guilty for what I did, like shopping and it, almost buying into consumerism. And he actually um, owns a cattle farm. So I should have like said, do you ever feel guilty for you know, <laughs> slaughtering hundreds of cows um, a year? But I know I didn't. Um, I, yeah, I, and I, I was kind of shocked when he said it, but later on I thought, no, I'm not because... Um, we all have to wear clothes and we're not going out and buying like ex- an excessive amount of clothing just for the sake of blowing money. It's actually like buying things to get to get you through and um, yeah, we all need to wear clothes. So, And it's also mixing and matching so we can get the most out of what we buy um, instead of just wearing something once and then it's sitting there. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. And most people listening would have that item of clothing that they yeah. bought that's still got a label on it or that I'll get round to to um, to wearing at some stage, but it was on sale, so I got it anyway. Yeah, and it's the guilt that's attached to that. Um, and once you actually talk through it and get, you know, move it on because it's not actually working for you or it doesn't fit you even, um, you can move that on to someone who will find it and buy it you know, in an op shop and then wear it and just keeping items in use is my approach to sustainability. Yeah. We're talking about sustainable fashion. So if there are people listening who do want to start 2019 in a much more sustainable way, how might they go about that? Um, I think you, I think it's important to remember that this is such a big task for you to tackle. So, um, approaching it in baby steps. Um, even by uh, podcasts are really a, a great way to inform yourself on 
where to even start. So even if you Google top 10 sustainable podcasts, uh, a list will come up. I personally listen to Wardrobe Crisis by Mrs. Claire Press. Um, she's excellent. And oh, there's, a, there's a number of them, but you'll find that once you actually start listening to them, you can get yourself in a spin. So just constantly remind yourself that it's baby steps. Um, shop your own wardrobe where you can. Only add what you only add things into your wardrobe that you are going to get cost per wear out of, and be mindful. Um, yeah, of everything that you add. And I love even coming back to where you had that. Put your put your ideas or what you want in your notes section. So it's not like those desires have to become don't go anywhere yeah. or that you have to kind of stop yourself going, no. It's like you can allow yourself to dream. You can allow yourself to put that somewhere without actually getting out your credit card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in that moment. And I'm doing something... Um, well, I can share with you something that I'm doing at the moment. Um, I have a real OCD on mixing metals, so golds with silvers, and I don't know where it's come from and it's only new, but um, like say if you're adding a new handbag in to your wardrobe, if you need a new handbag, but you have the same OCD behaviour, um, Look, just making sure you're conscious of that and maybe even choosing a handbag that doesn't have any embellishments on it so then it goes with everything and therefore the cost per wear is higher. Um, yeah, there's another tip Beautiful, for <laughs> I love it, I love it. When, it. when it's connected to sustainable fashion, one of the other trends we're seeing uh, at the moment, and it's mainly in the kind of food industry, we've seen Sarah Wilson's latest book, Simplicious Flow, talking a lot about kind of zero waste. So how do we remove plastics, plastic bottles? What does that mean in terms of a fashion? Have you had people, I guess, bring that up in their conversations with you of how do I not only be sustainable, but I don't want to waste anything that I have. I don't want to add to this kind of perpetual kind of consumerism that is happening in the world. How have you dealt with that? Yeah, um, interestingly enough, I had a client last week that was um, practicing zero waste. And um, when we shopped, I actually personally brought shopping bags from my own stash. Um, so then we weren't adding shopping bags when she shopped. She could just take home reused ones that I had already used. I made sure that they were all the nice stores. <laughs> um, and I actually asked her, being zero waste, if she was okay with shopping in fast fashion stores to see if there was, um, you know... A that was okay. Word. Yeah. What would, you, what would you call as fast fashion stores? Where... Um, so H&M, for example. And if you look at H&M, they are... They were put in the spotlight a couple of years ago for being really um, bad when it came to sustainability, and now they're one of the best. So, um, and they even have, you know, you can donate clothes to H and M and you receive fifteen percent off um, the next purchase. But back to my client, I asked her if. Um, just because she was zero waste, if she would be interested in shopping in fast fashion stores, and her approach was yes, because even regardless of where it's from, her her wearing that piece isn't going to be in a fast fashion way. She's going to be wearing that because she loves it, and she's going to keep it in her wardrobe for as long as she can. Um, and we looked at fabrics, and I taught her a little bit about what fabrics to avoid um, and what to look out for. Because just because it's a fast fashion store doesn't mean it's going to be cheap and shitty fabric. You can find one hundred percent cotton pieces in there. You can find bamboo. Um, 
lyocell tensile, which is one of the most sustainable um, yeah, fabrics that you can buy at the moment. So be no, open. You can be curious in fast fashion stores. Especially if you know what you're looking out for. Yeah, exactly. And you're really conscious that it is something that's going to fit in my wardrobe yeah. and that I am going to treat it as if it was a top quality, high-end fashion piece. Yeah, and I think that's important because... Again, we all wear clothes, so even approaching sustainable fashion doesn't mean you have to have a massive budget. You can do it step by step and add it. You know, you can find cheap and cheerful pieces that are still sustainable. And I know, and we've spoken about this before, that part of the irony of sustainable fashion is that we could be a tendency to almost get rid of the wardrobe that I have and then I'll start again with everything that's sustainable. Clear the guilt. (laughs) But that almost goes against what you're trying to achieve, right? Exactly. I love this sense of painting the picture of baby steps. Start early. Yeah. Yeah. And use what you already have. Definitely. Um, And by shopping your own wardrobe, lay out uh, any items on your bed that you don't have anything to go with because then when you are shopping, you're going with purpose and you're going to find that you're not shopping anxiously because you're trying to find something to go with that piece that you don't, it's an, an orphan for lack of a better word. So you're shopping with purpose. That link with, and it is an interesting question, I can imagine it would have taken you back, but that it's interesting around that sense of kind of guilt and Maybe we don't need as much and and um, where does that come into play? Because I think on the other side, from a marketing point of view, we are told that this is the new look, this is the new colour for the season, this is the, you know, you're nobody unless you're wearing this. Um, and there's a real push from a, a marketing kind of consumerism perspective. Um, and you've touched on a little bit of how you manage that by really going in and buying just key pieces at a time. How can, if someone's listening, how could they, I guess, come at how they shop differently so it doesn't just feel like purchasing for the sake of purchasing um, or, or because I think I should, but really being a lot more aware of what they're, what they're purchasing? One thing I do tell my clients is um, if they are an impulse shopper, taking a photo of their actual wardrobe. So then when they are in a change room, they can look back on the photo of their wardrobe and when they're in a piece that they're, you know, they're thinking or considering of buying, um, actually challenging themselves on how they can make that work in their existing wardrobe. So I think sometimes that task actually switches them into thinking, uh, like, she's all right, like I can't make it work. So, um, yeah, that's one way. I love that. It's that uh, really practical sense of actually going, what have I got? And if I can't make it work, then that means I need to buy an entire new outfit for it, uh, which is a bigger decision than just I'm going to buy this shirt yeah. that I'm wearing wearing at the time. I get the sense that underneath it all, it's just about being much more conscious, much more aware of what do I have what do I need? Where does that gap come into play? So if there's something you're looking at, have looked at for a little while, that really practical nature of putting to yeah. your notes on yeah. your phone and then check back in on whether you still like it, is it still relevant, where would I have worn that in the last week or two? And then if that's on sale, maybe. Yeah. Just because it's on sale, um, 
I think it was another family friend that said this, but it's usually men that say it. Um, <laughs> maybe it was my dad. Um, you did your money when you bought it. So even if it's on sale, if it sits in the wardrobe and it doesn't get used, then it's a waste of money. Um, I actually went into a wardrobe, it was last week, in Toowoomba where that was the entire wardrobe. So it was three sliding doors of items that she had purchased um, on sale, um, but none of them were actually making her feel any good. So, yeah, it's about shifting her behaviour. And honestly, that can't... There's only a certain amount of um, change that you can do in a wardrobe that actually needs the change needs to come from showing her how to shop and seeing how she can feel in clothes that might not have been on sale, but she feels a million bucks in and then she's not going to need to go and spend, you know, 10 or $20 on things that are on sale that aren't actually going to help her feel good. Yeah. For me, that brings the, the question of quality over quantity. So the quality Absolutely. of an outfit, the quality of a fit, the quality of fabric, um, which could can be and usually is much more costly yeah. because there's a level of quality that comes with that. Where does that where does that line come into the work that you do? Oh, that's about giving the client the experience of shopping and feeling and touching and feeling how amazing things are on um, and um, shaking it up from what they're used to. So say if they are used to shopping in and I ask them where they do shop. So changing that um, and really understanding what their behaviours have been in the past and asking myself how I can change that for the better. So generally, if you put more money behind it, it is better quality. Um, In saying that, sometimes it can be really hard to distinguish what's quality and what's not, especially when you're online shopping. So knowing a little bit about fabrics um, is really important too. One of the things you've taught me is, and you've said it to me repeatedly, is when we've looked at an outfit or looked at a, a dress, for example, and you've said, think about the cost per wear. So how often are you going to wear it? Where are you going to wear it? What does it actually mean when you say cost per wear? If someone was to look at an amazing outfit, what does that mean? It means, yeah, how many times are you going to be able to wear that piece if you were to add it into your wardrobe? So... um I think for special occasion, that's a really great example for this because, you you know, you might buy a dress and you need a certain pair of shoes to wear with that dress. But for me, I sort of switch that and say if I have a nude pair of pumps and a nude clutch, well, that is my go-to for any occasion. So I will, that will be my base. So cost per wear on those items are like slim to none because they've been in my wardrobe for seasons and I love them, they're comfortable and they're worth the investment. And they yeah. can work with a range of work different outfits. You yeah. can change up the piece, but the base pieces. Yeah. I mean, pumps working. won't like get you to the school grounds comfortable to pick up the children, <laughs> but it could work. Clutch and Connie's <laughs> get me there. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it is a really interesting um, concept and even just to be thinking about what's in your wardrobe and you can do your own kind of audit. What's in there? How often do I wear it? How could I get more out of the clothes that are already there? Are there any kind of quick tips, tricks when it comes to styling maybe the wardrobe you already have? So we're at the start of a new year. People are thinking about what this year might mean to them. 
if they don't have the opportunity to have you come into their wardrobe, where could they start? Uh, start in their own wardrobe and um, shop it for, for what is coming up for the next year. So um, if you've got a change in career or you're going back to work after having children, um, actually taking the time to look in your wardrobe to see what you can work with um, and what's not going to be able to work be worked with. Um, and you find that when you do that, you actually build a little list in your mind of what you need. Um, and also if your body shape's changed, you will, you know, like you generally try things on and see that, yeah, that's not working anymore. So you need to get that out of your line of vision. So it's just allowing yourself to um, play in your wardrobe to see what you've got and then adding accordingly. Do you find that people struggle to let things go? Yes. (laughs) My family (laughs) is one of them. Um, Yeah. And even I do. I think that's okay. Um, But it's, it's the level of how much you're struggling to let go of. Um, And also trusting, you know, like a lot of clients feel really weighed down when they see me because they've got all of this emotional baggage in clothing in their wardrobe, hanging in their wardrobe. Um, And it's just about holding their hand and saying it'll be okay, like until we see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that is they send me a message the next day after a wardrobe cleanse and say how much lighter they feel. Yeah. So I think it's trusting the process that you need to let go of some things in your wardrobe that aren't serving purpose to be able to move on to the next stage of your life. What's some of the emotions that you navigate through with people? Um, can you throw some words out there? (laughs) (laughs) What's my question there? I don't think think anything is off limits. Like I have clients who have gone through um, relationship breakdowns Self-confidence is a massive, massive thing um, that I deal with, yeah, on a daily basis. It can even be some clients don't have the confidence to go shopping because they don't, they fear what store assistants will even think of them. So how can they even fill their own wardrobe because they can't even get past that barrier? And I just think, who gives a fuck what they think? massive for someone yeah. to get to that realisation yeah. to actually walk in and and be showing that it's okay, that that there is actually pieces that will work and that will fit and, yep. and try it on. And sometimes you can use your store assistance to your advantage. Like they might, you don't, it's almost getting outside of your own head and thinking, oh, like they might not have had a customer for four hours. So to, to them, I'm their saving grace. You know, their 3.30 artists, can, it can be the next hour that will pass really quickly for them if I go in. So sometimes it's just shifting your um, mindset. Oh, that's what I tell my clients anyway, yeah. and I'm helping them yeah, by getting them to go them get me. <laughs> to help me. I even do it as a stylist. If I can go incognito into a store and just say, dress me, that's like the best. <laughs> do you ever... Does, does it ever work? Do they get you the pieces that that yeah. work for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, also because, like, I have um, worked as a resident stylist in stores before and you get, it, it's made me aware how you only get, like, a snippet of people's lives where when you actually hire a stylist, I get to understand their entire 
life and why they choose the clothes that they do. Um, but if you're a store assistant, you really only get like three seconds. So um, for me, if I am going into a store incognito, I tell them as much as I can, you know, and communicate what I'm looking for in, a, in an outfit so then they can help me. Yeah. What about that moment of, because it's not only yourself, but it might be a store assistant or it might be a friend or a, um, a colleague that you're going shopping with that might hand you something that you would have never looked at, would never have had in your wardrobe, even when you see it hanging up or go, no, that's not going to work for me. What's your advice to someone who, who might be going, oh, I'm not sure? Go with it because you can say no once it's on. Um, and having a styling session, I tell my clients that. Like it's, it's like when you have kinesiology. When I first had kinesiology, um, which don't ask me to explain kinesiology, <laughs> um, but I thought that I would just lie in a bed, relax, and they'd just fix me, whereas you actually have to participate. And it's like that in a styling session. So if you're in some, I tell my clients, if you're in something and you don't feel like it's you, um, that's okay. That's that's just as important. Yeah, in figuring out, in figuring who, out you are. who you are. Yeah, because you don't know until step. you try it. But you've got to. Yeah, you've actually got to try it because you just never know. And also, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the trust kicks into gear. Yeah, trust not me. You in Crocs. <laughs> Certainly go not with, with socks. We've, we've made that. That's an absolute no yeah. go zone. <laughs> you have a massive heart, and obviously, you've come from the country, having kind of grown up in family up around Emerald. And when we talked a little bit about sustainable fashion, and even that consumerism is looking at your wardrobe and if it's not right for you or if it's not right anymore, where can that be shared onwards? One of the things that you're connected with is a, um initiative called Drought Angels. Can you talk to me a little bit about what Drought Angels is? Yeah, so Drought Angels is a charity started by two regional women um, and it's to help farmers who are in drought. And um, I was reading an article when they first started um, about the work that they did. And as I was reading it, thinking, I was thinking, well, I could help them. I go into wardrobes and we get rid of clothes that are still in good condition. We pass them on to secondhand stores, but these clothes could actually go out to a regional part of Queensland and put smiles on people's faces, men and women. Um, so I contacted them and Initially, they were a little bit hesitant because when the floods had happened, uh, a lot of people had donated clothes um, and a lot of them were soiled or just not in a very good condition. And um, so it was my, it's my job to sort of um, educate clients on what to donate, what's still good to donate, and then what, you know, might need to be used as rags um, and sort of separated. Um so yeah, I go into each wardrobe cleanse that I do, I select one or two pieces if the client's okay with it for me to donate to a char an op shop in Ilfracombe. Um, so the local post office actually has a pre-loved store next to it and the postmaster manages both. So um, I iron the clothes, well, wash them, iron them, put a little feel-good tag on them um, before I send them out to Ilfracombe. And the response has just been really nice. Um, even tourists uh, and locals shop there. And it's a way of locals being able to um, 
have a place to shop but for op shop prices and the money raised goes straight back to the Jart Angels. Have you had any stories of people picking out items out there? Yeah, well, um, all the time, um, Di, who's the postmaster, we generally touch base every couple of months and she usually has a story to share. Um, But a lot of it are like, um, a lot of the stories are kids coming back from boarding school and having a race day to go to or something and they can't afford a dress. So Di will style them up with something that we have sent out there. Um, a lot of the pieces I'm jealous of, like I actually want in my own wardrobe. So it's a pretty cool place to shop um, if you are in or around Ilfracombe. Ilfracombe's place to go. Mm, <laughs> if you can't find go. it yeah. online, <laughs> it'll be in there. Bianca Spender, Kyla Zampatti, they were just a few things that I um, bundled up this weekend. I love it. It's mm. such a beautiful initiative and, um, yeah, a powerful thing to do. It goes back to keeping things in use. Um, yeah, and that's the most important thing. There's no point. Well, I don't see a point in items going to waste in a wardrobe if they aren't actually going to be used. Fair enough, there might be a few sentimental pieces that you want to um, pass down, you know, through generations. But if it's really, it, it's just having the hard, hard conversations with yourself. Are you actually ever going to wear that? And if you're not, get it out of your life and learn from your mistake. Don't buy something if it's not going to work. Yeah. Whether it's a shape, a colour or a style or it might have worked for a period of time but changed. Yeah, or you've moved from a really cold climate to Queensland and you're never going to wear those 10 jackets. (laughs) Pass them on. Time to let it go, people. Probably not to let it go. It's 40 degrees (laughs) most days of the year. (laughs) Somewhere you need one in Tasmania or something. Yeah. We need to (laughs) Looking ahead across 2019... Do you have any hot kind of style tips or uh, things that you wish people um, knew either about themselves or their wardrobe? So looking ahead for, say, a new year when it comes to style. I recently had um, a regional client have a wardrobe cleanse when I was out in Emerald, actually, and um, she had a massive wardrobe and I think she let me see about one-fifth of it. (laughs) I know there are wardrobes in her house that I didn't see. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she had organised it and had, like, um, boxes of skirts and pants and all this and um, we went through it and I just felt like I was banging my head against a wall because I kept saying it's no longer fitting you, you know, like we've got to move this on to be able to get you feeling better because she was really down on herself um, and her wardrobe. And also she was probably feeling a lot of guilt for how much money she had put into her wardrobe but was no longer working. Um, And it wasn't until she came, we actually had a funny conversation about a black pair of pants and she had like six pairs of black pants. Um, And we were getting rid of one and I thought that she was okay with it but I had a text message from her asking if I still had them because we were going to donate them to Drought Angels. And I was sort of sitting there thinking, how do I put all of my emotions and how do I say what I've said in the wardrobe cleanse again into a text? But I thought, no, I'll just, I'll give her back the pants and I'll trust that once she goes shopping, it will be okay. And um, it was like a security blanket. I think she needed to have those pants. She couldn't say goodbye to them yet until she 
got new pieces. Um, anyway, she met me shopping in Brisbane and we got back into my car after we had just built her a capsule wardrobe that she even said, like, if I was to go to Melbourne next week, I would just pack all of this. It would be so cool because I'd only have to pay a, pack one pair of shoes and it would just work. And she was so surprised. And I was even surprised too, like, how quickly we'd done it. Um, but she got back into the car and she said, I think it's ready for me to like, like, I'm ready to let go of those pants. And it's those moments where I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, well, we've done it. Like, I didn't think we would, but um, yeah, it's, I don't know actually if I answered, answered that question then, but. No, it's um, a beautiful story because it's almost like, you know, how much lighter, what's possible and how yeah. someone can feel, but they need to go through their own experience and their own journey of yeah. it. There's but you only can just be a, that reminder of. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. No. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Yeah, I feel let like it that's go. an Elsa moment. Um, Elsa song. Right often. here. <laughs> Look, I want to come full circle. The name of this podcast is called Standout Life. When you hear that term and in the line of work that you do, because it's not just about... It is about how people look, but it's not that. And I think what we've talked about is very much around the emotional side of it. It's very much around the behavioural side of it. And it's incredibly, um, I think what I've taken away is that it's about how to be more conscious, how to be more present, more aware of what what's actually going on rather than doing it unconsciously, whether it's yes. buying, whether it's kind of just having stuff in your wardrobe or holding on to things but not being aware that that's what you're doing. So when you think about all of that in the work that you do and that term standout life, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? I think it is... I actually had a chat to my mum about this um, as I was meeting you um, and she answered really quickly. <laughs> I'm going to steal her answer. Um, but she was. She just said, well, I think to live a standout life, you need to constantly um, be in check with who you are as a person. And I think that's very relatable to fashion because what we wear is our identity. Um, so if you constantly keep yourself in check with who you are as a person, then your wardrobe should reflect that and therefore you will have the confidence to live a standout life. Amen. I'm signing up for that. Thank you so much, Anna. It's been such a delight to sit down with you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.